Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Fearless Rebel Radio. In today's show, I interview Madeline Moon, and we talk all about how to trust yourself around food and how to overcome food fears and how she overcame food fears and years of heavy, heavy dietary restriction and over-exercising and how she got over her perfectionist tendencies in order to really embrace herself and her advice on how you can do the same. I just want to let you know that the links that we mention in this episode, you'll be able to find all of those at summerinanin.com forward slash FRR dash 2020, including something that I didn't mention in the episode, which is you can grab Madeline's free ebook, how to love your body again at her website, mindbodymusings.com. But you'll also see that link in the show notes, summerinnit.com forward slash FRR dash 20. And as always, you can get my guide, my rule breakers guide to rock in your bod with 10 missions that you can complete right now to ditch the diet mentality and love your body. Plus like a whole bunch of other freebies, which are amazing. If you head to summerinnit.com or summerthenutritionist.com. Let's get started with the show. Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice not-so-PG-rated rants and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. My guest today is someone that I recently became, quote-unquote, friends with because, in other words, we just, like, tweeted each other and then became instant friends. And after I got to know her, I knew that I wanted to have her on the show for sure. So today's guest is Madeline Moon. Madeline Moon is a holistic health coach specializing in nutrition, fitness, and body image. She has spent the last several years training for fitness competitions and modeling photo shoots only to come to the conclusion that real satisfaction and self-worth is found in a completely different place. Her mission is to shed light on how unique and perfect every individual is and how they can come to realize the true potential already existing within. Madeline is the creator of the website Mind Body Musings and host of the Mind Body Musings podcast. She's a graduate from the University of Texas in Austin and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And she lives in Colorado with a chihuahua. And she also has a really amazing four weeks to body freedom program coming out that she will talk about. But welcome to the show. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me today, Summer. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, So to get started, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today? Okay, let's get started. So this is kind of a long story, and I'll try to not make it too long. But basically, um, whenever I was in high school, I got really interested in living living a vegetarian um, lifestyle. And I really adopted that quickly. I had a vegan best friend. She motivated me to adopt some healthier lifestyle choices, as in just protecting the earth, going green, everything. So I went to vegetarian for a while. 
And this became sort of a weight loss uh, slash maintenance control mechanism. I started to watch that I was getting smaller without much effort. And um, as long as I started cutting out meat and I wasn't eating any you know, any kind of uh, animal products at all, then I could keep the weight off. And it was really exciting at first. And then um, very soon after, I started to pursue fitness and get really involved with losing weight in that way and see what I could push myself to do. So I began doing this really dangerous cycle of just um, eating very low calories during the day and going and spending at least an hour on the elliptical every single day in high school, like from sophomore year to junior year. And then um, the weight just started flying off. And like, I'm not, I wasn't even big at all. I was very small to begin with. So I just got skinny and, you know, people were telling me like, wow, you look so good. You look so amazing. Mm -hmm. All these comments really started to just like feed my ego. And I was feeling kind of self-righteous and just amazing. Like, look at me, I'm losing all this weight. And, um, then I skipped my senior year of high school, actually went straight to college, and I started to get really involved in the bodybuilding scene. I got really excited about the tans and the makeup and the jewelry and the suits and all the glamour that came along with it and decided that this was my new thing. This is what I wanted to pursue. So I put down my tempeh and my tofu and I picked up some dry chicken breasts and broccoli and it was a pretty easy switch because I'm very goal motivated and goal oriented. So once I got my mind focused on changing my body and making it more um, I don't know, perfect is what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. um, it became really easy to get really focused on it. So I started to train extensively, like even more so than before and counting calories and learning everything I could about nutrition, just staying up at night, researching all the articles I could. I hired a coach and a trainer to um, do my meal plan and diet. And four weeks, I mean, sorry, four months later, I had stuck with the same meal plan of like six different foods for four months, not even a single bell pepper or blueberry, nothing not on there that wasn't like broccoli and chicken and oatmeal and protein powder. And oh I did this for so long and like just I got very, very obsessed with this idea of reaching physical perfection and I wouldn't give it up. And I basically put myself in these situations where I knew I was going to be triggered and I liked it and I wanted to be triggered because I knew as long as I was triggering myself and getting myself stuck in the cycle of dieting and over-exercising and obsessing over it, I would never get out of it and I was comfortable there. I knew that it was a good feeling to have something I could always control and so I stayed in this position for a very long time trying to convince myself perfection is real. It's there and it's within my grasp and then Soon before I even really could realize it, I had, you know, metabolic damage. I had no period. I had no social life. I had no relationships. I had no brain power because I wasn't eating any fat whatsoever. I was gassy all the time, bloated all the time. Every single food that wasn't on that meal plan that I had had for those four months, every time I ate something not on there, it would bloat me up, like frustration, tears, all these crazy emotions that no sane human being should have to go through every day out of like just because they want to voluntarily like i was i was putting myself up for this and asking for it it's not like i had to suffer but i was saying suffering is comfortable i'm going to keep doing it so that i can reach this perfection so this cycle went on for a while like just way too long that it should have gone on and i ended up um finding the 
you know, a lot when, when in and out, I ended up finding the paleo diet and getting really excited about that. And then a trigger happened, um, a little bit later that quickly threw me back into the bodybuilding scene and the obsession, something very small, just a comment. Um, and it just, I mean, basically I had this guy tell me like, Madeline, you, you are onto something. You can be a great coach, but you're cute right now. You're not sexy. You're not hot. And if you want to be sexy and hot, you have to lose weight and get super lean, get down to like 10% body fat again. You can't just be cute to get clients. You got to be sexy. And so he put me on a new meal plan. And just like that, I was like, oh, you're right. I need to work on a lot of things. So here we go again. And then I signed up for another show and did that show. And then I had, that's when I finally had that aha moment that we all so desperately want so badly. I had this moment after the second bodybuilding show where I just said, oh my goodness, like life passes you by so quickly. And if I keep volunteering myself to have this kind of frust- these frustrations and this torture and this crazy distraction from all the other amazing things in life, then I'm never really going to be myself. And I'm never going to meet that unique purpose that I was put on this earth for because I was and I know deep down that it existed and I just needed to allow myself to find that purpose and so after that you know this is a long story and I didn't really make it shorter but soon after that I just did a lot of lifestyle changes like I picked up and moved to a different state I got a dog I learned how to have companionship and intimacy with with people again, with nature, with beauty, and then with myself. And it was a long process, but starting my podcast and putting myself out there and and saying yes more and inviting myself to feel pleasure and to feel love made a huge difference in my life because no longer was I trying to convince myself that I wasn't enough. I finally came to terms that I am who I am no matter what my body looks like. And once I finally learned how to accept that and to indulge in that and to indulge in life, then I found so much um, body respect and body acceptance. And that's where I am today. Yeah. Wow. That's a <laughs> that's a pretty like crazy uh, story. You know, that was pretty... Um... Like that's some pretty intense restriction that you were that you were doing, you know, mm-hmm. and like you know, were you happy when you had such a low body fat, or or was it did it make you just more you know self conscious in general? That's a really good question. Um, honestly, it was conditional happiness. Like I was happy yeah. because of the conditions that I had forced my body into. I was. I it was a different kind of happiness. It wasn't like self worth happiness, but it was more like self-righteousness like I had reached this level that no one else has enough willpower to reach and I was better than other people because I looked this way and yes I can help other people find this but I also was lacking empathy so it was hard for me to help people because I couldn't understand cravings and um, not sticking to workouts because I was so focused that that's my own like that was my whole world but definitely conditional and there were a lot of moments where I mean, I was just a big ball of fear. Like, I was always worried I was going to lose that body. And uh, I was never going to find anyone that I could date because they weren't, they didn't have the same lifestyle as me. And, like, I mean, to live that kind of lifestyle is, it's hard enough on your own. And then, like, you're always kind of on edge and frustrated and just the little things in life no longer really please you. 
only that one big thing like your body and you know that having that perfection so I definitely felt happy for my body's sake but everything else in life that makes up you know 99% of life none of those things I was satisfied with mm-hmm yeah, and I'm sure you probably found that some of that like conditional happiness was basically fed by people saying like, wow, you have such good self-control, you look amazing, like, you know, depending, especially I'm assuming if you're running with like a bodybuilding scene, that that's really kind of like of utmost value in there. Oh, totally. Like our relationships, well, my relationships were built off of that kind of stuff. Like I would live for those morning selfies where my abs had flattened out and um, I was a lot leaner than I was the night before. I like couldn't wait to go to bed. Like I would eat a big hearty meal of broccoli and chicken and the broccoli would just kind of bloat me up because that's what vegetables like to do. So I would end up going to bed a lot earlier than I would have gone to bed if I had just eaten a normal meal that was digested nicely. Instead, I was miserable. So I went to bed at 8.30 at night thinking, I'll just wake up in the morning and be super lean. I can't wait till that happens. Kind of like Christmas morning. And so I'd wake up. I would only focus about what I looked about, like it looked like. And then I would take a photo of it. And then I'd put it on Instagram. And then I'd just sit there waiting for comments. And it's like, how many likes can I get? How many new followers will I get? How many people are going to like want to regram this? You know, like, and what people don't realize is very often the people you follow on Instagram that have those morning selfies do the exact same thing that I just said. Like they live for those pictures and they live for those comments because those comments, that's what keeps you going. Like that kind of recognition, admiration, um, words of affirmation, those things are what fuels the fire. It keeps you going because other people are taking notice and compliments. I mean, let's face it, they do feel good. It's just scary when they're, in the wrong context. Yeah, totally. And like I, you know, the the role of of social media in terms of promoting like, you know, disordered eating habits and poor body image or the role of social media in kind of creating this like false sense of esteem, I think is just like it's so rampant nowadays because because social media is rampant. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you wrote about that recently on your blog too, didn't you? Yeah, I did like social media and disordered eating. They're just so like, I just wrote this cause I was just feeling really inspired by like my past and I know people can relate to it. And basically the scenarios where you eat a meal and you have restrictions in your head already, you know, I'm not going to eat that many carbs for dinner. So you have this rule and then you make dinner and then you eat it. And of course you're not satisfied because, you know, you couldn't have the sweet potato you really wanted because it was too many carbs. And instead you had like a ton of broccoli or um, green beans or whatever. So what do you end up doing? You end up wanting to eat more. So you go and you finally get that sweet potato and that's still not enough because you feel guilty. So you have anxiety and you eat more. And then before you know it, you're really stuffed, but you still want more. So to feed your your uh, anxiety instead of turning to food, you go to Instagram and social media so that you can look at what other other people are eating. And you know this is going to make you feel guilty and frustrated, but you kind of thrive off that and that's what you want. So you go over to social media and you pull up your favorite um, IIF, wait, if it fits your macros, whatever, IIFYM-er, and you see what they ate. And obviously they probably ate a big bowl of 
Pop-Tarts and ice cream and somehow it fit their macros or whatever. Or you go to like the clean eater that eats super spotless and you're jealous of her. So you go to that account and you look over there. Either one is going to make you feel frustrated. So you look at that, you compare, you're upset. So then what do you do? You go over to my uh, fitness pal and you plan out your next day's diet to make sure that it's absolutely perfect. And you make sure that it's like, you know, 50 to 100 less carbs than you had that night to make up for that night. And then the cycle just continues because you're just so focused on that, those calories and those macros the next day that, of course, you're just going to want to rebel and go against it. And I mean, it's just a never ending cycle. You have to start to break it somewhere. Ooh, that was exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Just like going through that process. But I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was totally me. Except when I was really into um, that way of thinking, I don't think Instagram existed yet. Thank God. Uh, And I've never actually even heard that hashtag that you mentioned before. So I'm also really proud of myself that I haven't heard of that one. Um, But yeah, no, and I think, I think there becomes a lot of comparison too. like, even when I think a lot of even just like health coaches post pictures because they have really good intentions but if you're the type of person that has more of like a very um like rigid or disordered kind of way of thinking you look at that and you compare it to what you have like you think like oh like I I eat more than that like maybe I should eat less like that then you know maybe I should eat less to be more like that person like and it and um you know one of the things that I always like I always get the women I work with to do is to basically clear out their social media like get rid of any any anything that kind of like upregulates that voice in their head was that something that you did too was just like clear out that stuff oh my goodness yes and that's funny you say that because I do the exact same thing with my clients. I actually just got off a, a consultation. And that was the one thing that I prescribed is just ridding, ridding themselves of all those things because it has such a power over you that you don't realize. And one thing that like really, it, it just, it, I really wish it would all disappear is people like, so that hashtag, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, it's if it fits your macros. If like people have a certain amount of grams that they can have for protein, fat, and carbohydrates and a lot of times people will share, they'll show a picture of their meal. And normally these people who follow this diet eat extraordinary meals because they'll eat very light during the day, very clean, whatever. And then at night they'll have a huge bowl of some kind of sugar something. And then it's drool worthy. They spend 30 minutes making the picture look beautiful. Then they use all their filters and then they write this really long comment underneath it. And they'll say their macros. And a lot of times people will go look at these hashtags and then they'll read other people's macros and what they can quote afford to have that day like some people will post on there like oh i'm so proud of myself because now i'm eating this many grams of carbohydrates this much fat i never thought i'd be able to eat this much food and now i'm here because my metabolism is great and then someone else will look at that and read oh my gosh they're eating that much food why can't i eat that much food as if we all have these like prescribed calories that we have to have every day and Mm -hmm. some people believe that some people don't like it's a per- personal preference, but it really can mess with your brain if you're reading all day other people's um, like calorie intake, and you get jealous because they're eating more than you, and then this just makes you want to like be able to eat more, but you forget like you have free range, like you can eat however much you want. There's nothing magical about their numbers. There's nothing magical about the numbers you created for yourself nothing there's no secret in those numbers like food is food and like we're, we totally forget that 
in this generation and just with the power of social media we forget to just eat what we want because we're so focused on what everyone else is eating how they're eating like mm-hmm. it's just it just this ah. yeah so how <laughs> did like how did you shift your you know your mindset to to letting go of uh, you know, to, I guess to prioritizing feeling good instead of um, being leaner. Oh, well, it was a very, very long process of a lot of different things. Um, one thing that I actually do with a lot of my clients and I'll, I think it's a great little tool. So I'll go ahead and just share it for anyone listening. But one thing is to be very clear about what you want to start doing and what you want to stop doing. Like it's a process to stop doing things and it is a process to start doing things, but being clear about it first and foremost is really important. And I'm a list person. So what I did was I created a little something I made up called the feast and fast list. And it doesn't have anything to do with food or like feasting food or fasting food. But in in my little world that made sense, you know, food. (laughs) So on the top of the list, I wrote, feast on the left side and then fast on the right side in the same kind of way that you write a pro-con list, you know, a little line down the middle, a line across. And then I wrote on the feast side all the things that were not nutrition or fitness related that I wanted to start doing, things that I could fill my life with. So for me, this was read more fiction. It was take walks because I never took time to take a walk and just get out in nature because that wasn't a quote, real workout. Mm-hmm. So I would never do that. So challenging myself to take walks and then to listen to podcasts was a huge one for me. Listening, instead of listening to music, which I love, I needed to start putting good messages in my head. And then another one was like, I don't do this very often, but um, mantras of some sort, just to go ahead and say, like, I am greatness, like, I have or I am. Um, X, Y, and Z. So everything I could think of, like, I am beautiful no matter what shape or size and um, stuff like that. So I just continued to write this list of lots of different positive things that would enrich my my life, saying yes more, dating more without any expectations, (laughs) which is like really important because a lot of times when I go on a date, I kind of expect either yes or no immediately, Mm -hmm. like in my head. So just to be able to go out and socialize, I'm in a new state, I needed to explore and have fun. So just getting out there, going on dates, not expecting anything, just enjoy my time. And then uh, on the fast side, I, I wrote all the things I wanted to stop doing. And these all, all these things were fitness and nutrition related. So it was like, stop going to the gym six times a week or just don't go to the gym for this whole month, which was, you know, crazy for me, but it was actually rather easy when I had my feast stuff to work on. But I didn't go to the gym for a whole month at one point. And then another thing was, <laughs> don't hire a meal plan coach because I was always looking for the next biggest, greatest meal plan coach. So to just write down, don't hire a meal plan coach. And then another thing was don't read any more nutrition articles, which was another huge one for me because I was very impressionable and very swayed by different opinions of uh, scientists, researchers, bodybuilders, whatever, all their different opinions of the best foods, the worst foods, how to optimize or biohack this and that, all that stuff was just like taking up so much space in my brain. So I just had to eliminate stuff so I could make some more room. So I got very clear about the things that were um, stopping me from being the greatest I can possibly be. And some of the things that can help me along the way 
to enrich my knowledge, just get me to a better place, you know, even just be a distraction like reading fiction. And then I took this handy little piece of paper and I put it on my fridge and I didn't care if people were coming in to visit me, if my family was coming to visit, I wasn't going to take that list down for anything. I was going to keep that list up no matter what. And, you know, it would be a great conversation starter if anyone wanted to know, not that you have to keep this list up, but it definitely helped me just to not be afraid to, for people to know what my goals are, where I am in life and to be open and to talk about things. And this list just worked wonders for me. And, you know, I actually, I mean, you can't just have a list. You have to start to implement it too. So, of course, taking that month off, like taking a month off from the gym was unheard of for me. It was five years since I took more than five days off. Wow. Yeah. So I took this straight month and it forced me to get creative. I, I didn't just lay around and watch TV all day. I took lots of walks. Like I ended up taking like three mile walks out around a lake and looking at the mountains and starting to hike and just getting in touch with nature and um, not the lack of clouding my brain, the lack of fluff, of nutritional fluff going on in my brain. That helped a lot too because it helped me to like get in touch with my intuition. And I started to, I mean, after I deleted my fitness pal, of course, I forgot to mention that when I made myself stop counting calories, um, had to start thinking, what food makes me feel good? And like for a while, if anyone's been dieting for a while, it's good to note that a lot of foods will upset you <laughs> at first. Like if you're used to cutting out foods and you want to add foods back in to see what do you even like? What do you like anymore? Well, at first it might take a while to see what you really do like because everything kind of might bother you. And it, it did for me. I was so used to not eating anything um, that wasn't, you know, in a very small group of foods that a lot of stuff started to frustrate me. And instead of quickly saying, oh, okay, then I'm allergic to that. I can't have that anymore. No more of that. I just said, okay, today's not the day. This doesn't make me feel great. So I'm going to eat something else. But mm -hmm. at least giving it a try and like being consistent about it helped me a lot. Like I could start to eat dairy again after a process of just eating a little bit every once in a while because I love dairy and I've never had a problem until I cut it all out. And now, now, you know, a year of doing that, I can eat dairy as much as I want and I feel amazing. I could go, you know, run, whatever. Like I can eat dairy and do things and it's great. But at first it was, it was a process of getting my body excited to eat certain foods that it hadn't been excited to eat for a very long time. So that, that's just a few of the things that I had to start to do to get out of that uh, cycle. Mm, that's awesome. That's so helpful. I think um, I love your list idea with the feast versus fast. And I love that you made such a dramatic change of taking a month off of off of the gym to indulge in all of those things. That's just um, it's so important. So I love that you shared that. And so, yeah, as you kind of mentioned, like introducing new foods and, um, you know, especially like, you know, a lot of the women that um, that we, I'm, you know, that we both work with, like they, they're coming from very rigid meal plans and like or, or restrictive diets and, and they're terrified to to let those barriers and rules go like, you know, they're terrified to to eat what they actually want. So how did you get over those those fears? Like, you know, 
I know you mentioned, um, you know, you obviously experienced a little bit of discomfort. And so you're just like, okay, I'm just going to keep, you know, today's not the day for that food and I'll try it again and just kind of small doses. But how did you get over that, that fear, like that mental side of like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight when I, now that I'm going to eat this? Oh my God, that's such a good question. I think ultimately, ultimately it came down to focusing on who I am as a person. Um, really being confident in my qualities that weren't body related. Like I really started to focus on what makes me me, what, what do I do in this world that makes me unique? Like what, what is my purpose every day when my feet hit the floor? And I made, I started making little tiny goals of things to do on the inside. And, and that's just one part of the equation. Another, another thing that I would start to do with just food in general is think in terms of consequences. Like what would happen if I ate um, this meal of, you know, vegetarian like food, like some tofu and some beans, what would happen if I ate these things that I couldn't have that I haven't had in a long time? You know, it's dinner, it's nighttime. Like, you know, my main concern was getting really bloated and like worrying about it. Like what people think, well, you know, I'm at home, I'm not going out tonight. I'm going to eat this dinner and I'm going to see how I feel. So I was very smart about timing things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I explored a lot in my food choices at night when I wasn't really concerned about going out or having a, like going to a a yoga class or CrossFit class or anything. I just did it at night and explored. And, you know, like I I was saying, I thought in terms of consequences, like what would happen? Am I going to gain a pound from this one meal? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to like, are all these qualities that I've been thinking about that make me special, are they all going to disappear or are they going to be nourished because I'm one step closer to being free? Like, what, what is the consequence of this meal? What's going to happen? Is my extremely, are my extremely loving parents going to love me a little bit less? And I'm going to have um, not as much, um, not as good as a relationship with them if I eat this meal? No. Like, am I going to lose important things that I have in life? Well, I was starting kind of from the ground, like, moved to a new place. I didn't have that much going on. And and just for other people, like really think about these questions. You know, this is my experience, but it it applies to you as well. Just thinking about like, what happens if I have this meal ultimately? What's going to happen? What's my fear? And making that fear come out and play and like identifying it. What is the deep rooted fear? And it may surprise you what it really is. And for me, it was just not meeting my perfection um, expectations for myself. And, you know, that thought would lead me to another thought. And I remembered I've had that body, like I've had that, that lean body. And I remember all of the awful things it gave me and all the awful things I'm still working through because of it quickly that left a bad taste in my mouth. So I, um, got rid of that bad taste by feeding myself with a really good taste that I wasn't familiar with. And like goes back to just eating this, this meal that I hadn't had in a long time. And like, I mean, obviously, it was a long process. Like, literally, sometimes it would take me 15, 20 minutes to an hour to decide if I really wanted it. But after I had it, and I realized with time of doing this practice, nothing happens. Like, my weight, I'm back to the weight. Like, your body will find its happy weight if you eat in a happy state. And I didn't even mean to rhyme there, but now... You, that's like, you need to make that your meme. That's so funny. I'm so doing that. Okay. That's hilarious. All right, guys. Well, that's, yep, that's my new uh, that, little motto. That was amazing. <laughs> but it is really true. Like, if you eat 
if you're nourishing your body in a way that makes you feel good and makes you want to live, live life and be the best version of yourself, as cheesy as that may sound, and if you know me, I'm not a cheesy person at all. And like, I've never been one of those like hippy dippy people, but the more I become in tune with my body and the qualities that I have as a person, the more I become kind of like that because I'm seeing how truthful all of these beliefs and statements are like food is nourishment and it's really supposed to help you live the best life that you can possibly have. And, you know, when you first start this process, you're not immediately going to know what food to have when, like if you've been restricting for a long time, you're not going to know when you're hungry. You're not going to know when you're full. You don't, you're not going to know how to answer this, the question, what sounds good? Like you're not going to know, but through trial and error through and and, and trial and error means trying things out, seeing how you feel afterwards, journaling your emotions as you eat it. That's going to reveal to you the kinds of foods that really make you thrive and make you feel good and make you happy and excited. And if it's a food that you haven't been eating in a long, long time, well, congratulations, because that's amazing. Now you have another food you can add to your favorite foods list. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. And like you're going to see with time, food is not going to hinder you anymore. And, and by that, just that fact alone it's going to make you love your body, whether you're five pounds more than you are right now or five pounds less. It may sound like, oh my gosh, how can I ever love my body if it changes? Because you start to love you. You don't love your body anymore. You love you. Like You will start to love your body, but it's the person inside that starts to matter. And it's the person inside that you start to think about first, not your body. It's like putting on that oxygen mask in an airplane. It's like, Take care of the way you look or take care of who you are. And naturally, by taking care of who you are, it's going to take care of the way you look. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, like, you know, some of what I heard there is just kind of reality checking the situation. First of all, you know, like really what's what's going to happen here? As you said, like, what are the consequences? Um and taking kind of like stepping outside yourself to look at a bird's eye view of what's actually going on in the situation because, because the issues really aren't like the actual food itself. It's, it's really um, about like asking yourself and about what's really going on and looking deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about um, body acceptance. Obviously that's been like a really important thing for you on on your journey and just self-acceptance it sounds like so you know how did you how did you really start to cultivate that for yourself well I think one thing that I really started to do was to stop apologizing for being myself Mm -hmm. and that's always kind of been a struggle for me and I know it's a struggle for a lot of people because we want to please other people like as human beings we just are people pleasers like when we're little we're raised to um, do a certain good deed and then we get a treat we get a reward um, we get a good grade we get into the right college like there's always just a a reward system and as we get older that just doesn't, doesn't disappear doesn't like just go away so as we get older we always want to please people we want to please something even if it's not really ourselves that we're pleasing because we may not really like ourselves at the moment we're trying to please something like it, sometimes we don't even know what it is it's not even a person we know we're just trying to please we're trying so hard so being unapologetically yourself is huge and that's not necessarily easy but 
being aware of how many times you say throughout the day, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when there's nothing to be sorry about, it adds up. Like, you'll be surprised how often you just say I'm sorry without even, like, meaning it. When you, you, you didn't even do anything, like, doesn't even make sense. So not saying I'm sorry for things that you didn't do, knowing that you're not, you don't need to be sorry, you don't, you didn't do anything, you're just being yourself. And, like, there are going to be really embarrassing things that happen in your life that you're going to feel guilty about or bad about or you're going to reflect on it for 24 hours and it's going to make you miserable and I wish I could have a a really quick answer to say this is how you don't do that But, but there's not really a quick answer to that but it's just to take a moment to realize that whatever you're doing whatever you did that's part of your journey and that is ultimately going to make up who you are as a person and then use that experience to um Use that experience to better yourself in the future, to learn, and to be able to, trying to think how I say this, be able to understand that life is long and full of lots of different ups and downs, and that's never going to go away, and you can't control that. So being able to do that is very important. And the other thing is to, when people compliment you, is to accept it. I notice so often how many times people will say compliments to each other and it's kind of like camaraderie to say, oh no, that's not true. It's like it bonds us as women, like Mm -hmm. to be complimented and then we automatically expect the other person to say something negative or to say that's not true. Like, oh my gosh, you have very beautiful hair. Oh, you know, this this is actually like my hair when it's at its weakest or its grossest or it's yeah. finest, thinnest, whatever. And then, you know, they compliment you and then you say, oh, no, I actually feel so fat today or whatever. And then you just like, you know, go and get your nails polished and then you high five and you feel great because you just had like this moment where you both talked about your flaws. Like that is not healthy at all. And it's kind of become something that we just do. We just do it. It's instinct. So to call that out in your head every time you do that, when people say, wow, you look absolutely gorgeous in that red dress, you say, oh, my gosh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then you just indulge in that moment and you allow yourself, you give yourself permission to believe it's true. Don't feel guilty for believing it's true. Don't feel ashamed for believing you're sexy and you're beautiful and you're worth it believe it because you are and these thoughts it's these tiny little things the things you say will ultimately and the things you think will ultimately become the things you believe so these tiny little things accepting that you're awesome and when people compliment you say yeah thank you that I mean it's it just it adds up throughout your life and it really contributes to how you feel about your body and self-acceptance mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's uh that's definitely like that that it's a practice for sure and it's amazing when you start to become aware of those two things. Um, you know, like apologizing and like the, you know, accepting compliments that y- y- when you when you bring awareness to it, you realize how much you were actually doing it. Um, you know, and, and it it is just about it's just another mechanism to stop putting yourself down and to change that like your internal belief system for sure. Mm-hmm, exactly yeah another one is just where you kind of like 
put yourself down before you do something too. Like where you're like, oh, like I, you know, like let's say for example, you're about to do a presentation at work and you're like, oh, I didn't prepare for this at all. Like you're, you're buffering, like you're lowering the expectations so that you, you know, you don't have to, you're kind of beating yourself to the punch really. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, impressing people or not impressing people, I should say. Yeah, it's an element of like self-trust too. It's like that as well as you may actually not believe that you're capable of doing something. So like there's the one side of the coin where you just want other people to just not really have these expectations for you. And then on the other side, you don't want to like believe that you can give yourself any kinds of expectations. Like a lot of times when I talk with clients, they'll say things like, if I didn't have these food rules, then I would just go absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I just I, I just say, like, would you? Like, forever and ever and ever? Like, you just go crazy for the rest of your life? Because we know that's not true. That's not how it works. You, ha- you go crazy because you have limitations, but we ultimately don't want to think we can trust ourselves. Like, we don't want to believe that self-trust is real. Like, Because it's so scary. It is so scary. We love having people telling us what to do, how to act, how to look. And to actually have to believe in yourself and believe that you're strong. You're not physically strong, muscular. You don't have to have this kind of strength in your sexy, toned muscles. That's not the kind of strength that you should be focusing on. You should be focusing on the kind of strength of what it means to make a strong woman. What are those kind of characteristics? You have that. You have the power to be everything and more that you just, you know, set in your brain. Whatever whatever qualities you think it makes up a strong woman, you have that. It's about trusting yourself and believing that you already have it. It's already within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think uh, self-trust has a lot to do with with um, self-compassion, too. I think, you know, when you when you know that it's going to be okay and that you forgive yourself and uh, you're much more willing to then trust yourself, you know, like that's that's really what that what what trust what self-trust comes down to. And in my opinion, in terms of um, it being being okay with things not going okay. You know, the fact that we kind of expect everything to be good and we expect perfection and we put like we hold ourselves to these really high standards that prevents us from moving forward and it makes us fear failure and it makes us not trust ourselves and it makes us sabotage ourselves. And so, um, yeah, like that's that's just my kind of take on on self-trust is that a huge part of that is just the compassion piece and being able to say like, hey, you know what, it's, it's okay, like, this is life. And, you know, sometimes things aren't going to work out. And that's just the way it goes. Yeah, to a T. And like, to add on to that, a lot of times, something that I just fall back on, when things don't go according to plan is that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and not everyone believes that, but I believe that to the absolute fullest. Because why? Because I'm still here. Because I'm still alive. Because I'm still thriving. I'm allowing myself to thrive. I'm giving myself permission to go on this journey. And like when things go awry, when one door shuts, it's always because I'm not supposed to go through that door. There's a different door I'm supposed to go through. And that helps a lot with just compassion, knowing that, you know, this journey, it it isn't always up to us. Life has a way of playing out the way it needs to play out. And, you know, we're along for the ride and it it can either be a terrible ride or it can be an amazing ride. And it's, it's up to us with our attitude and with, um, the gratitude that we can cultivate. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And so uh, as it relates to like body image and the stuff that we're talking about, you know, one thing uh, I see is this idea that body acceptance is actually a catalyst to weight loss. You know, like you, you even see like, I don't even know. I can't even remember if it was like special K or something that was kind of promoting like, you know, body acceptance. And I was just like, oh my God, like what is happening here? But, um, but even more so, you know, just from like women see body as ex- acceptance as like, okay, well maybe this is a new tool I can use to lose weight. And so, you know, I think it's imperative to healing issues with food and just finding like whatever weight your body is going to just be at. Um, going into it with the intention of weight loss sort of defeats the whole purpose. Like, do you, you know, do you see that too? Like, would you agree with that? Totally. And like, yeah, this is something I've been thinking about for a while too, but like the reason why like special K for example, um, yeah, it's just so ridiculous, but sex sells like sex will always sell because that's something that, you know, they have to present a body to us that we probably don't currently have like they have to present a body to us that you know either we need different kinds of foods to achieve we need advice and guidance to achieve we need something to achieve this type of body um so that they can make a profit so that's why they keep you know cereal they're trying to sell cereal and they i haven't really seen this i'm I'm sure this exact i know i've seen a few of them but um they're gonna show you like beautiful people that still don't have any flaws that still don't appear like they have scars or that much weight to lose or whatever. And, um, that's just what gets people to go buy special K, you know? And, and yeah, it, it is really frustrating that they're selling this idea that love your body as long as it's, you know, at a healthy weight or like a, a healthy weight. What I mean is society standard of healthy, like mm-hmm. not like a healthy weight, but like lean, small, like, love your body. It's beautiful. Like I, I, when like adding on to that, I really can't stand those pictures of just like those stock images of people just jumping in the air and like standing in a field and like opening their arms and they're all like super small and like tiny. It's just like, why can't we see a different body standing in the field, raising their arms up like a a real body? That's what we want to see. You know, it's just like, it's gotta be this one particular body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, with your experience with, like, the, the fitness modeling and competitions, you know, do, like, do you think a lot of women kind of get into that to give themselves permission to get, to get like, really, really skinny like that? Like, you know, do you see any benefit to doing those competitions? Like, is there any positive role? I know you've been in that world. So, like, in terms of the bodybuilding or any sort of fitness competitions, like, I just see it as very kind of like degrading and disordered, but I mean, I've never done it. So I just, I don't have like a different perspective on it. It's, I mean, for me personally, it's really easy to answer this question, but it's also hard because I don't know everyone's story and I don't know if someone, you know, has lived an entire life of never accomplishing anything in their whole life and like they had a ton of weight to lose. And so this was that one thing that they did accomplish, they did set out to do, and they're super proud of themselves. And then afterwards, they were healthy, and they never looked back at another competition. Like there, I'm sure there's someone like that that exists. I don't know them. Uh, so <laughs> I have no clue if this person is real. But that is a possibility for some people. But for 99% of us, and in my experience of just 
meeting these people, knowing these people, seeing these people, watching this this process, you know, knowing what goes on behind the scenes at these fitness competitions, like really, no, there's no. It's very, it's very frustrating and it is very degrading and it is very subjective because uh, there's a panel of judges that you'll never meet. You'll never learn their names. They'll never learn your names or remember your name. Um, but yet they feel like they have the authority to tell you how good your body is, but virtually it's because you gave them that authority. You asked them for it. You trained for it. So they'll put you next to a group of people. And like, for example, my, one of my experiences is that for one of my shows, I was put into the tallest group of girls. I was the shortest and we're standing next to each other. And that's how we're judged. We're judged out of that group. So in the five, six and taller group, and by the way, no, this was five, six and a half. I'm sorry. I'm five, I'm five, six. And they put me in this group because there were too many girls in the other group. So I wasn't even judged in the right category, but they didn't care. Mm -hmm. So they put me in a different category. So I was the shortest and I was compared next to these really tall girls. And, you know, sometimes the judges really like brunettes. Sometimes the judges really like tattoos. Sometimes the judges really like um, piercings, and sometimes they want a natural look. All judges are different. They all want something different. They're human just like us. So the fact that they have the right to tell us which body is superior, and we give them the right to tell us our worth because of that body, the whole system is so messed up because we forget they're judging our flesh and our bones. They're not judging who we are as a person. And at the beginning of the process for a lot of people, you start out thinking like, oh, this could be great. It's going to be fun. I don't really care if I don't get first or second place. I'm just doing it to accomplish something. It'll be awesome. Like, I don't believe I can really do something like this and have enough, quote, willpower to do this, but mm -hmm. I'm going to set after it anyways. And then they do. And then halfway through their training, they realize this is everything to them. They're sacrificing everything for it. They're losing their period for it. They're losing their relationships. Their sex life is down the drain. So they better get first or second place. So that's how the process works. You start out thinking this will be fun. Halfway through, you're like, oh my God, this is everything to me. If I don't get this, then I'm a terrible person and I have no reason to live and blah, 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 blah. And then you get up on that stage, you feel pretty accomplished, but then you see you placed, you know, halfway out of the whole group. And then you realize it's actually because you were in the wrong group or it's because the judges really liked um, that one person because they knew them before the competition. They had, had a relationship with them, so they got a better place because that does happen very often. There's a lot of politics that goes into this kind of stuff. If a judge is has close ties with a certain gym and there are two competitors that are training for that show coming from that certain gym, they are most likely going to place higher. If this is your first show and there are other people that are, it's their second show, the second show people are more likely to place higher because it shows they still have effort and they've been working harder at it. Wow. Like even those little things that you don't realize and, and no one tells you this going into it, which is so I'm pretty stoked that I'm talking about this because I haven't ever talked about this exactly, but no one tells you this stuff. So then you don't get the place you want. You beat yourself up. You're really upset. Your metabolism is shot. No one understands. You start to put on weight really fast because your body forgets how to process things. People are making comments and they're saying, Oh, what happened to you? Like, what happened to your show weight? And they don't understand 
you were at an unhealthy level of leanness because they don't have that experience. They don't know how hard it is to get that lean and stay that lean. So then people are making comments and that makes you even more upset. Then you feel like a failure and you see how destructive this entire process is. Mm-hmm. It's just a mess. Big time. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like we could do a whole other episode on this I know. <laughs> we'll have to have you back because um, we got to start wrapping stuff up here. So um, tell tell everyone about your like your new program, Four Weeks to Body Freedom. Yes, thank you so much. So starting January 19th, um, 2015, coming up, I am going to be hosting a online program called Four Weeks to Body Freedom. And this program is basically to help you end this cycle that I've been talking about with disordered eating and negative body image, um, your food fears, helping you get over that jump and stop to stop fearing food. And a lot of these things that I'm going to be teaching in the, in the program are things that I do with my clients. So it's pretty awesome. Like these are things that I know work. They've worked for me. They work for them. And I'm really excited to be able to provide this for anyone that wants to join. Um, So the registration for this first go round closes on January 18th at 5 p.m. MST. If you have any questions at all, absolutely feel free to email me at mindbodymusings at gmail.com. Again, it's four weeks long. There's going to be a module every week. There are three main points that we'll be covering in every week, and then there'll be two to four exercises to work on. I send you an email with some other tips and some recommended stuff to check out um, every other day. And I'm also going to be including a recipe book that I made and just lots of fun, amazing stuff. There'll be an MP3 version and then videos. So yeah, go and check it out. Um, I'm sure there'll be a link to it in the show notes of this and feel free to ask if there's any questions. And I do have one-on-one coaching. So if you're also interested in getting a little bit more intimate with me, then feel free to reach out about um, those packages. Yeah, that's awesome. And it will for sure be in the show notes for this. And this will be episode 20. So you can find those at summerinandin.com forward slash FRR dash 20 or 20. And yeah, and also people can find you online. But before you tell people where they can find you online, you have to tell me what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Oh my goodness. Oh, I know. That's easy. The most fearless thing I've done is move to Boulder, Colorado with absolutely no thought or any weighing of pros and cons. I literally just like one day I was happy in Austin. I had no plans of moving. And the next day I was like, I'm moving to Boulder. And then I moved a week later, actually less than that. I moved like four days later. I just left all my stuff outside of my apartment, sold a few things, uh, FedEx some stuff to a random place that I found online to live in Boulder. And then I drove across from Texas to Colorado. And that was pretty fearless. But the crazy thing is I had absolutely no fear about it. I just knew it was right. And I went with it. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. I wish every decision in life was that easy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, and so yeah, so where can people find you online? So my website is mindbodymusings.com. You can also find me on iTunes, my Mind Body Musings podcast. Um, Summer will be on it soon, and it's going to be a great conversation. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. It's, you know, slash Mind Body Musings. And then on Facebook, I'm actually 
uh, facebook.com slash moonfitness. If you type in the search bar, Mind Body Musings, you'll still find me, but the URL is actually moonfitness because that was my old name, but now I'm Mind Body Musings, so that's where you find me. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and all the helpful stuff that you shared. This was really, really good. We'll definitely have to have you back on again because I feel like there was just so much more that we could have talked about. Totally. Thank you so much for having me. This was an awesome conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. Rock on. If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful if you took two minutes to do that for me. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rock in your bod. Until next time, rock on.